Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast, Swagoo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts Marcus Spears, Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives, career journey, with can't-miss conversation. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Also, thanks for joining us on YouTube. Uh, this is the week, time of week, where we normally have a guest join us. Coming to us live from Chicago, Illinois. Number seven for the Chicago White Sox, Tim Anderson. Tim, uh, it's been an interesting weekend and change. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so how we doing? You doing all right? <laughs> hey, man, dude, I'm all good, man. So I like, how did we get here, right? Like, it was actually funny. I was on the phone with a colleague, and he had seen the dust up in the game. I guess it was on Saturday, and he's mm-hmm. like, "I just can't figure out what, like, what's going on with Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson. Like, this doesn't seem to even be anything to do with him." And then I saw the post game stuff and sent him the link, and was like, "Oh, okay, this is what's going on." So from your side, how did this all play out? Um, you know, I can say it started back in, you know, 2019, you know, he made that comment, you know, then, you know, I told him, I was like, bro, we ain't never got to speak. You know, you ain't, you ain't never got to talk to me if that's how you're going to label me. But that goes back to, you know, off of an interview I had did, you know, not necessarily comparing myself to him, but, you know, uh, I was saying that, you know, uh, he broke the color barrier and, uh, you know, that year in 2019, I did the bat flip and, uh, you know, so I was like, you know, I'm breaking the, the fun barrier. And, you know, a little bit after that, a lot of guys' personality started showing. You start seeing more more bat flips. And, uh, you know, that wasn't really comparing myself to him. So, uh, you know, I guess he had the needs to, you know, try to say that comment to me. But, you know, I wasn't really interested in, you know, making that an inside joke, you could say. Yeah, I think the thing that for people as they were observing it was, he was like, oh, we've been joking about this. This is a thing that we've done for years. I don't know why it is a problem right now. So, but it sounds yeah. like to you, it happened this one time and you said don't do that and then it happened again but it doesn't sound like you remember anything in the middle yeah i had, I had already addressed it in, in, in 19 when we played against him in atlanta and uh you know yeah he signed a two three-year deal in minnesota you know you know how many times we played them they're in our division that never happened you know yet we you know i think two weeks ago i slid back into third and uh you know he dropped his knee on me and uh you know what i mean he could have damaged my arm shoulder anything so you know i was i was kind of frustrated a little bit so i pushed him off me that was it you know nothing, nothing really you know serious about that so i guess he was still carrying over that same smoke from you know from then and i wasn't you know really i wasn't really you know really trying to bother dude and you know uh he kind of you know he kind of said that coming as well you know when we got to new york and uh but it happened so quick he said in the first inning and then right after he got on second somebody got a base hit so he scored and so he got back on base again and came back around and it was the end of the inning it was the third out and as you can see the video of me, you know, trying to walk off the field, you know, he said again, you know, like, you know, we can go whenever you get ready. And I was like, you know, you know, meet me in the tunnel. You know, I, I already been in a lot of trouble, you know, from just, you know, I, I stuck in the middle finger. And, and, you know, so I wasn't really trying to, you know, trying to, you know, get in too much, you know, get in too much trouble because, you know, they kind of spared me a little bit. I didn't get a suspension. Uh, you know, I just talked to a couple of people and, uh, you know, made it right. So, like, I was curious, 
what were you thinking when you heard him do the post game and say that it was an inside joke? Because I think one of your teammates made the point that I was thinking, which is inside jokes are normally between friends. Right. Yeah, that, that was a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, we don't have no relationship to, you know, to be able to have an inside joke, never look for a relationship, never look for a friendship, never look for anything, you know, besides just competing against you. Um, you know, we never really had a conversation. Uh, you know, at all. And, uh, you know, really wasn't looking for it, especially after 19. You know, I told him that, you know, we ain't never got to talk. I ain't never got to talk to you. And let's just keep it at that. You you never said anything to me before then, so don't say nothing to me now. Were you surprised by how strong Tony LaRusso was in his response to this? You know, knowing our relationship, I wasn't, you know, really surprised. You know, um, you know, he always got my back. You know, we, we, we build a, you know, a strong, we have a strong bond. Um, you know, but on the most for the most part, I would say that it, it was it was you know it was disrespectful. We always say disrespectful. You know, we didn't find it as a joke. And um, and as you can see, you know, my teammates and you know uh, the organization, you know, they definitely you know have my back. They know what kind of person I am. You know, they they know what I go through on day to day basis, and uh, you know they understand it. I will say this: I remember the Jackie Robinson quote came in 2019, mm -hmm. and I did turn up an eyebrow just a little bit because the way yeah. it was presented, at least, it definitely sounded. I was like, "Hey, man, flipping a bat is not the same thing. Yeah, it's, what, but, it's what this dude was going through." That's just how they labeled the article. It wasn't never. It wasn't never really presented that way, and you know, that just happened to be the, the headline on the article. And, and at that point, you know, I can't really do anything about that, but you know, roll with it. And I'm not going to, you know, try to explain everybody what I meant. If you read it and, and you understand it, you'll get it. All right. I got you there. Now, I want to get back to LaRusa and you talk about the bond you had, because when LaRusa got this job, and I think this is also kind of interesting where, you know, me being a little bit older, I've been paying attention to Tony LaRusa now for almost 40 years, right? right? And when people heard that he got this White Sox job, I think you were the first person a lot of us thought about and were like, Tony LaRusa is going to be managing Tim Anderson. And that seems like that is not that seems like an oil and water mix to people. Yeah. But you say you guys have established that bond. So I'm curious how that bond wound up being developed. You know, you can't really go off what, you know, a lot of people say or, or you know, what, what was in the past. I only can go off what I experienced. So it was just one of the things that, I, you know, I had to learn. I had to learn on myself, you know, see for myself. You know, he never crossed me, never did anything you know, negative to me. So I can't really go off other people's energy on how they feel towards him. So it was just one of those things that, you know, I wanted to create my bond with him myself. And uh, he's super competitive. He's super competitive. And, uh, you know, I ain't got a bad thing to say about him. <laughs> I guess he also managed Ricky Henderson, which I imagine would be a, a hell of a training ground for getting to you. Because like, Ricky yeah. Henderson was doing what you're doing except 40 years ago. Right, right. And, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things that it's, it's, it's different, you know, when you're not in it. And when you're on the outside looking in, you just, you just never really know, you know, what's, what's really going on. Yeah. So, for you right now, being Tim Anderson playing baseball, like, one thing I was thinking about with the Josh Donaldson thing is something that you get in baseball that you don't really get anywhere else is opposing players just standing around each other with nothing else to do but really talk, right? Like, right. sometimes the talk could be fun, sometimes it's not. So, I wonder... Like, as things like this interview come and the bat flips and stuff like that, your interactions with other players, like, how often does it get to a place where you feel like somebody might be going a little too far? Um, I mean, I don't really, you know, I don't really, I don't really have a lot of dudes that I really, you know, talk to in the game of baseball, you know, besides my teammates and, you know, a couple other guys that I come across, you know, uh, but, you know, other than that, man, I really just stay in my lane. I'm, I'm, I'm out there to compete and try to beat you. You know, I ain't, I'm not there to make friends. Or, you know, my job is to make you not want to play against me. 
So I'm not I'm not really, you know, looking to build a relationship, friendship with any other guys, really. But, you know, I do have guys that I come across and, you know, we speak and, uh, you know, other than that, we just keep competing. Yeah. Now, we've talked before about just black participation in baseball and in yeah. the major leagues and particularly the numbers being where they are. And you've been someone who's absolutely called out like this is a thing that needs to be changed. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. But as a black baseball player now, like the question almost seems too simple to be like, what is the experience for you? But especially now being Tim Anderson, right? The flag bearer in a lot of ways for a kind of different attitude being in baseball. Like, have you felt a responsibility or any kind of burden that comes along with that or just something that you're aware of and think needs to change? Um, I never really felt no burden or really needed to carry away. It was just always, you know, I was being myself. You know, this just will happen to come with it. Um, and I'm cool with whatever comes with it. It's not like it's, you know, I'm trying to do anything. I'm just going out and playing and perfecting my craft and, you know, getting better each and every day. But this just what follow along with it. So it's not a burden or, or really a task. It's just keep living and, and keep taking it day to day. You know, I guess you could say it's my purpose, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, you lean, like, you do definitely do, like, lean into it. Like, when the videos first started popping up on the internet, I was like, oh, yeah. you know you're making them mad. Yeah, <laughs> He's sure. showing this. Yeah, it's something different, but, you know, you, you, you got to understand what you stand for. You know, uh, like you said, not a, lot, a lot of black people play baseball, so that was one way to get those eyes, you know, whether I put, you know, certain music over certain highlights just to get attention that, you know, like, you know, I'm a real one that's, that's playing baseball, <laughs> you know, uh, what I represent. And, uh, you know, that was one reason why I did drop a lot of, you know, content with all type of music behind it, just to get, you know, get those eyes. If you don't know me now, then it's cool. You know, uh, I'm cool on it. I just, you know, I just go out and, uh, you know, just try to do the best that I can and, uh, you know, play hard as I can and see where it takes me for real. Well, one thing that you had also said a couple of years ago was that, you know, baseball is a little slow. It's a little boring. Yeah. And like it almost read as though it made people question like how much you enjoy baseball. But I feel like when I hear you talk about it now, it does sound like you're like having more fun playing baseball than you were before. Yeah, definitely because I understand the game a lot more and, uh, you know, I'd have been through those struggles and now I'm just able to enjoy it and, uh, you know, whatever happened, happens and leave it at the field. I'm not saying I know what I'm doing, but I understand, you know, what I'm doing and just trying to keep, you know, perfecting that. But I'm, I'm definitely I'm enjoying, you know, I mean, people, you know, get to wake up and not enjoy their job and I get to go out here and play in front of them go to different states and play in front of you know thousands of people like i mean that's that's, that's a blessing <laughs> well you talk about understanding the game better like what would you say is the biggest thing that you understand better now than you did when you first came up i would say just being able to slow the game down you know hitting is probably one of the, the main things you need to know uh you know obviously defense you know i know i gotta perfect that you know i'm not the best at defense but you know if, if, if my defense could catch up with my bat then you know the sky's the limit so it's just one of those things man you just gotta keep working I'm trying to beat you at every angle whether it's on the base pass defense offense whether it's just you know being a clubhouse guy or, or being a leader you know i don't really talk a lot i just lead by example so one thing i always find interesting in talking about professional athletics is people who don't understand just how high the level is to participate, like not realizing that the last man on the bench in the NBA would destroy you, right? Like yeah. like that level. I mean, yeah. you probably destroy most people and you play in baseball, right? Like people don't understand that point. So like, is there anything with baseball that you look at and you're like, man, I wish people understood how hard this was? Man, it's, there's no level higher than this. You know, man, you're talking about 162 games. You're talking about going, you know, three-game series in this state with a day game and going to this state with a night game and a night game have to travel out of that. Not really knowing how your body going to feel on the plane, in and out of hotels, you know, living out of suitcase. You know, it's a grind. 
is a grind, but you know, you understand what you sign up for and understand, you know, what you're trying to do. Then you're going to be all in. I'm all in, but you know, uh, we just go out and, and make it look easy. People don't really understand. People don't really see, you know, the work that we put in before that, you know, the work that we put in way before we got to this level. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's tough until you, you know, you get in there until you try to grab a bat and grab a glove and try to do it yourself. Yeah, I don't think people realize how fast that ball is. Like, <laughs> I remember this, man. When I was in graduate school, I played an intramural softball league, and I hadn't played any baseball or softball in who knows how long. But yeah. when I played Little League, man, I was pretty good. I made some all-star teams. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I had some defense. I was a well-known first baseman <laughs> in those circles. Man, I'm playing in the softball league, and there's always the one dude who played, like, high school baseball or, like, low-level college baseball. Yeah. And he was playing shortstop. I was playing first base. And I forget what happened, but he decided he really needed to whip it across to get to me. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe how fast that ball was moving. It had been like 10 years since I had tried to do that. You and we just talk about a throw across the diamond. We're not even talking about a pitch. That's what I'm saying. And I was just like, man, I just don't think this in particular, if people really knew just how hard it is to do even the things that look easy in baseball. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're playing against guys from young age all the way to grown men, and you're trying to beat them at every angle. You know, man, it's, it's, it's a tough game for sure. I don't think you could take anybody out any other sport and put them in baseball, but I think you could probably take a couple people out of baseball and put them at other sports. I'm not saying they're going to succeed either, you know, mm -hmm. but it's going to look it's going to look like they've been there versus, you know, taking a football player, basketball player and be like, hey, go pitch. They're going to look crazy because <laughs> they ain't. it's different. It's definitely different for sure. Yeah. So when we talk about like the personality and stuff in the game, I don't know if you've seen this a couple of months ago where Ronald Acuna was talking about Freddie Freeman holding him down and taking the eye black off when he was a rookie. Like a big part of baseball involves a lot of that humbling of young guys. And I was curious what if you had that experience yourself when you came up, because obviously, I mean, the way people use the word humble, it ain't work if they did. You know, I didn't really have that, you know, that crazy experience because I was one of the guys that, you know, I always kept to myself. I wasn't really talking about I was just observing and, and, you know, learning my surroundings until I got comfortable. And then I got comfortable in that position. Not saying that I was a vet at the gate, but, you know, I kind of built it up to become a vet to where I don't really have to experience certain things. But, you know, for the most part, I was really low key and just, you know, just playing. I wasn't really, you know, I didn't need a whole lot <laughs> at that time. So I'm curious, you are from Tuscaloosa, right? I know you're from Alabama. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You live in Chicago, and I think people who don't fully understand Chicago don't realize that is a very common path, the move from Chicago, move to Mississippi, get to Chicago, right? So I'm always like, for a guy like you, like, what's the city like to be living in? Uh, it's dope, you know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like Alabama, kind of like Tuscaloosa, but it's just a bigger city. You know, one reason I moved here was to network. I think I've been here since, you know, 2017, since I signed my deal you know, uh, moved here. I mean, it's only right that I'll be in the city that I'm playing in to kind of learn, you know, learn around the city and get some connections, you know, continue to keep building a brand and keep going. And, uh, you know, now we're here. Oh, so you're around there for the cold months too. Yeah. I mean, if I could be here for the cold months, then when the season over, we already got a head start on people. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what was your first Chicago winter like? Yeah, definitely different. Definitely <laughs> different. I've never seen anything like it. It was definitely different for sure. Freezing. Well, so I, was like, I think the thing that happens when you're from the South and you move up, the, the biggest thing you realize is you thought you had a coat. Like yeah, you thought you for had sure. a Yeah, for sure. You got to get a big one. <laughs> I was say, I got here and I was in New York and I was just like, oh, okay. So basically I need to get the best jacket that I can afford. Like that's yeah. what this is. This little coat that had been holding me down through all these other places. Don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. <laughs> so how you feel about the team this year? I think we're in a good spot. You know, we had a couple of injuries. You know, other than that, man, the vibes is good. You know, it's, it's a family. We got each other back. We go out and compete and have fun. You know, it's been a little tough stretch, but 
going through a, a bunch of things, you know, not really meeting other people's expectations. But, you know, we get the process. We understand the process. It's a long season. But the vibes are good, for sure. Well, you talked about, you know, learning and understanding and the grind of 162 games. And I do wonder that, like, how you keep it going for 162 games because they expect you to run hard all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely tough. You just got to be realistic. You know what I mean? You hit some some hard right to the guy, you catch it. Like, you know, there's a chance that he's going to throw you out. You know, he's going to make a good throw. For the most part, you got to be smart. You know, you got 50% that day, then, you know, get 100% of that 50%. You know, uh, you know, be realistic, you know, to try to stay healthy for a whole season. Baseball question for you. Who's the pitcher that you absolutely do not want to see is starting tomorrow? I ain't came across one yet. Not a single one. <laughs> I ain't came across one yet. I don't really, you know, I want to face them all. You know, I want to face the best. You know, that's how you be the best. I don't really like to give a guy, you know, one up on me. And I feel like I give you the answer, then I'm giving the guy one up on me. <laughs> <laughs> even if even if it's the numbers, you can be like, because yeah. y'all know the numbers. You know the dude, they be like, man, I'm three for 22. You know who yeah, that guy is. He's not going to yeah, tell us. Yeah, I ain't going to tell you. Yeah, what for? Then he going to feel like he the man. <laughs> <laughs> well, who you got, though? If I say, so who are you like, oh, <laughs> you see who played the ball? You see who pitched yeah, the ball? For real. It ain't too many. I pretty much, you know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get everybody. <laughs> You know, there ain't really no pitch out there that I just really, you know, want to pick on. <laughs> I really want to pick on all of them. But you know how I do it, man. I just break it down, you know, break it down game by game, series by series. And, uh, you know, do my homework and understand what, you know, what guys trying to do to me, how they trying to pitch me. And, uh, you know, come up with a plan, go out and attack them. And, you know, whether it's at the plate, go on the base path. And, you know, it, it's, it's plenty of ways to beat you. You just got to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, I understand and know and learn and you know how to do it. That was really nice of you, cause I, I say, cause, cause yeah. you know, you know who that other guy is too. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, you know who that is. Show love, but then don't give love. You feel me? <laughs> now it's funny when, uh, cause I was growing up, I grew up in Houston, and Nolan Ryan was like the ultimate example in two ways, cause there was this dude Claudel Washington, and he struck out something like literally forty times in his career. Like you could just mark it down. Yeah. First time Will Clark batted against Nolan Ryan in nineteen eighty six. First pitch, first swing as a major league player, he took him into like the fifteenth row at. The Astrodome and just owned them for the rest of the time that they went. Yeah. It was almost like no explanation. It was just like, for some reason, I get this guy. And for some reason, this other guy just can't do nothing with it. I guess the one of those quirk things with baseball. It's different. You got you gotta have it every day. And uh you gotta know exactly what you're doing. And it's tough, definitely for sure. You know a lot of baseball history. Oh yeah. But I say it's wild though. I know a lot of baseball history, but my baseball present game just isn't as yeah. strong as it was. Because yeah. like when you watch a baseball team. You kind of got to watch that one team every game and you learn the whole league by doing that, right? True. When you lose the time to follow that one team, you just wind up like bouncing around and you don't ever yeah. like fully under, you fully know who anybody is. But like growing up, that was the thing for me is I'm a little older than you, but you're like growing up 80s and 90s, being black and like being into baseball, that wasn't a discussion. Like that wasn't a thing, you know, nobody's yeah. looking at you funny. And then I remember I look up. And I graduated high school in 97. I look at the baseball team when I'm in high school and it's only one black dude on it. And he yeah. let the white people call him shadow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. like something had flipped. And to this day, I don't really have it. It's not like one day somebody was like, yo, we don't even do baseball no more. But then yeah. you just looked up and we weren't doing baseball no more. It's one of those things, man. It's a tough sport. And, you know, you know, being black, you get hit with the ball one time. They're going to turn you away from it for sure. But a lot of a lot of us don't really, you know, stick with it. You know, uh, we play as we're young, but. You know, like you said, man, that ball coming 90 something. Who, who trying to hit that? <laughs> who trying to learn that? <laughs> yeah, let me tell you who else coming fast, too, though. Strong safeties, linebackers. Like, my thing is, and I, I imagine that you experienced some of this in Alabama, they've decided we can play football. 
they keep in baseball. Like, they got to have something for their kids to play. Baseball, I think, is what they hold on to. But football, like, you were a basketball player, as I recall. Yeah. But once you show some, you know, some ability in that, the game is pushing you toward that direction. Like, that's been my theory about a big part of how we wind up here. I can say I want more basketball. I ain't really take baseball serious until I, until I really kind of got in pro ball because it was just something to do. I was really wanting to hoop, um, you know, because all my homies hoop. I didn't really have too many friends that played baseball. I just felt, you know, different in baseball. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I could be myself fully in baseball because I didn't really, you know, know a lot of people. And, you know, basketball just so high energy, man. You, you dunk on somebody, they're going to let you know, cross somebody, you know. You know how crazy it is in basketball versus what baseball is just, you know, sit, throw, hit, catch, show no emotions. So, uh, you know, but that's kind of where I got, you know, the passion from, just from, you know, bringing up for basketball and just, you know, having a lot of energy and just being up-tempo was something that I always, you know, know how to play. You weren't here for the football? No, I went for the football. Like, I wasn't, I didn't <laughs> let nobody hit on me like that. You know, I was going to go out there and try to hit on nobody. I played when I was like 9 and 10 for like two years, but it didn't stick. I ain't like that. I mean, I imagine they were trying to get you out there, though. Like, you got the skill yeah. set to do that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I made a bet with, like, a couple of my homies, uh, you know, to go out for screen ball in high school. And, you know, I went out and killed it. But, you know, that was it, that was just a bet. That was it. You know, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't stay on the team. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to play. I just wanted to show them that I could play. I enjoyed it. But, man, you know, you're talking about going out getting hit every day. That ain't fun, man. <laughs> now, are you, like, a, a Roll Tide fan? Yeah, for sure. I'm running a mix of it. What did you think about this stuff last week with Saban? Man, different, uh, different. Uh, <laughs> you know, I try, <laughs> I try to stay out of the way of, but you know, uh, you heard what he said, and then he come back and you know, yeah, he, uh, he apologized as well, so he kind of understood that he made a mistake. Only thing, right? You know, they try to go fix it. I give you credit, boy. You gonna have your fun playing baseball, but you ain't gonna let me or nobody else walk you into no fire. I no, never, <laughs> never, never. What for? Then I gotta, then I'm gonna have to clean it up again. What for? <laughs> so I'll be, you know, I'll be real careful huh? and, and understand. You know, that's why I reached out to you because, you know, I like the content that you be putting out. And uh, you, you be honest, you keep real, you keep 100 for sure. I appreciate it, man, because it was with the Josh Donaldson thing. It was so interesting when I was watching it. And I was just like, oh, I know exactly what happened here. Yeah. He thinks we joking. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't realize that he had been told, bro, we yeah. not joking. It wasn't a joke. We were serious. And, you know, when, when I get mad, you know, I don't really, I don't really be bothering people, man. I be standing myself and just, you know, doing my thing. I don't really, you know, I don't really pick with people. And, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things that did with me a little bit. You know, I ain't really like it. I didn't really want to play like that after I already addressed it. And, you know, it's, it, don't, it don't happen again for, you know, for two or three years in, in Minnesota. But, yeah, you get to New York, you know, now you want to, you know, now you want to push the button again. I thought I already addressed it and told you that, you know, that ain't the vibe. That ain't cool. I want to get one last thing on that before we wrap this up is there are not as many people as there used to be black people playing baseball, but there are really not that many black people covering baseball. So being Tim Anderson and dealing with the media and the people that come in the clubhouse on a regular basis, like in a situation like this, do you feel uncomfortable or like a difficulty in dealing with media? Because I think there are a lot of people who, even if they mean well, they can't see what I can see when they look at this because they don't have that experience. And so how does that affect you when it's time to talk to media about this stuff? Because you ultimately do have to do it. Yeah. I mean, you just be very careful with, you know, with how you word things, you know, nowadays. And especially in so many media outlets in the locker room, you just got to be smart with, with what you say. 
And don't forget that you always the driver of the conversation, that you always drive whatever the topic is. You can give them what you really want or you can give them less. You know, I gave them less. I just touched on it. But I knew that I was going to link with you, that I'll be able to be comfortable in a comfortable setting to be able to, you know, really tell what's really going on. So it's just the fact of, you know, you always control the situation and however you want to go about it, you choose. And that's something that I've been, you know, very good and, and, and very selective on is picking and choosing as who I want to talk to. And that's why I wrote you. I was like, man, you know, let's chop it up because I know that I could be comfortable and I could really have a good conversation bouncing off of you to really, you know, let the people understand, you know, where I'm coming from and, and what I mean. Well, dude, I greatly appreciate it. And since you weren't able to say it before, I'll just say here to you, Mr. Michael Pineda. Apparently, you don't <laughs> want no problems uh, with Tim Anderson. This, this, this hasn't, this hadn't worked out so well for you. Let's, let, let's see, let's see, let, let's yeah. see who else. Oh, Nick Pavetta. No, Nick Pavetta, you doing all right? But Ian Kennedy. Ooh, yeah. man. Oh, dang, it wasn't going so good for Felix Hernandez either. You can put that yeah. on your Hall of Fame plaque. Yeah, you can put Matthew Boyd up there too. <laughs> On the other hand, you got to do something better with Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, that's probably before I even knew, you know, knew my stuff. You know, now I know my stuff. I'm in a good spot. I know my homework and I learned it. So, you know, time presents itself again, then, you know, I'll be ready. You know, I ain't going to say what's going to happen, but, you know, I'll be, I'll be well prepared. I'll be real prepared now. I'm amazed at how you guys can remember all of these because we're talking about hundreds of pitches, right? But you, like, not just remembering how you do against them, but remembering the tendencies and everything else. Like, that's just mind blowing for me. But you're going to remember guys that you pick on. You're going to remember the guys you pick on because you want them, to, like you just said, you want them to be on the mound again so you can get you two, three, three hits a day. You feel me? So you're going to always remember the guys that you put up good numbers on. I say you and your agent. Your agent is definitely like, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, for sure. Hey, man, that is Tim Anderson. My man, thank you so much for coming on. And people, you mentioned it. Tim hit me up yesterday and was like, look, man, let's talk about this. And I said, cool. And I appreciate the trust that you have in us and being able to do this, man. And keep doing what you do, dog. It's appreciated. For sure. I appreciate you always. All right, man. All good. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, so uh, Tuesday night, your boy, 
was at the Sports Emmys. Yes, I was a presenter at the Sports Emmys. Let me tell you something about the Sports Emmys. They ain't slick, okay? And this is what I mean when I say they ain't slick. They asked me if I would be a presenter. I said, cool. But you notice what they didn't say? They didn't say, Bomani, would you like to present an award? No. They asked me if I was going to be a presenter. I gave out four awards. And you know why I gave out four awards? Because they ain't got no host. They just sent a bunch of different people up to do all that stuff. So I got four awards. And I got the last four awards. And what I hadn't done the math on was how many people just take their happy asses home as the night goes on. By the time we got there, I look up and it's like half the people in the crowd. My little jokes and ad-libs, it was hard to tell if they was landing. It wasn't that many people. You know what I'm saying? But it was cool. Did the show. Saw some people I hadn't seen in a while. I actually wanted to see a few of them, which is also interesting. Like somehow I had done the math on that. I showed up and I had thought about that this being like a work affair, basically, because HBO had me do it. So I just wouldn't think about this. I get there and I'm like, oh, oh I don't want to see. Oh, oh, I don't want to see that person. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, hey. Oh, OK, but you're cool. You know, and then you catch up with them. Is that kind of stuff, right? You know, all of that. But anyway, I want to tell you something that happened at the Sports Emmys that if you listen to this podcast, I think you might find to be fairly interesting. So one of my awards that I was giving was the Emmy for like outstanding personality or something like that. I don't know exactly what it is, right? They got all kinds of awards, man. They like they give an Emmy for the best tease, for the best intro sequence. They got an Emmy just for esports. All that. By the way, I got an Emmy. It's right there. Anyway, so I'm giving out the best whatever Emmy. I can't remember what. And they bring me the envelope. By the way, I learned this the hard way about the Emmys too. You don't say, and the winner is, because they don't want nobody to feel like a loser. So you say, and the Emmy goes too. And I'm just saying, if you feel like a loser because I said, and the winner is, it's because you're a loser. It's not because I made you feel like a loser. It's because you actually are a loser. Anyway, so I give out this trophy for best whatever. And the winner was Mike Tirico. Certainly well-deserved because, I mean, he's Mike Tirico. He's really good at his job, all that stuff. However, do you know how bad? Like, it was right here, right here, right here, right here. Italian Stallion was right here. And it wanted, it wanted to get there. You know what I'm saying? Italian Stallion was right right there. Try, try to break free. But I couldn't let the Stallion out, man. I could not let the Italian Stallion out of my mouth. I just, I just, I wanted to so bad. So bad. By the way, I think Ice Rico knows I've been calling him the Italian Stallion. When I had him that Emmy, he kept it brief. <laughs> he, he kept that moving. I think he knows I've been talking about him being the Italian Stallion. Of course, I'll talk about you being the Italian Stallion. You know what you said. You know what you look like. You understand. You be confused, too. You think if a dude, like imagine, imagine Mike Tirico had a twin brother that he never knew about. Just work with me here, right? Imagine Mike Tirico had a twin brother that he never knew about. And he saw that twin brother across the way. You think Mike Tirico going to see him and be like, wow, who's that Italian dude? Because I'm just saying, if he would, he's literally the only person on earth who would do so. But anyway, I thought you guys might find it to be uh, fairly humorous that I was in a position to hand a trophy to the Italian stallion, Mike Tirico, who is Italian, just to be clear. It's not that he's not Italian. Want to be clear.
By the way, speaking of uh, Italian stallions, I saw our boy Lamont from the Olympics has suffered some kind of injury. Uh, we wishing him the best. In case you did not know, there's a dude, I think he won the gold in the 100 meters. He's an Italian dude named Lamont. Anyway, I want to thank the Dallas Mavericks for absolutely nothing. Like, are they the ones I should be thanking for nothing or are the Warriors the ones that I should be thanking for nothing? And I'm not just doing this for me. Like, I'm doing this for the homies. I'm doing this for all my people covering that series who got to jump on a plane from Dallas all the way to San Francisco just because that series ain't get closed out. To go there for one game. You know how mad, even though we know how this thing going to end. You know how mad all those people going to be if they got to jump on a plane after that and go back to Dallas. Like one thing I do recognize is that ain't nobody really trying to hear about how hard the job is for the media. And I get that. And you shouldn't think about how hard the job is for me. Like in the job that I do. But I ain't got an airplane job. Those cats that got airplane jobs, no, 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 don't get it twisted. That job is really hard and like destroys families and relationships and everything else because of all the demands and everything else. Like I'm just telling you right now, I get it. You may not want to hear the complaints, but them dudes that's out there doing that beat writing, they don't make nearly as much money as you think they do. And the stress they under is real. It is serious. And now they got to get on a plane to go back to San Francisco again. Some of them folks got to front day hotel rooms and get the money back. You know how much San Francisco costs? That's crazy. Anyway, I want to just say I thank them for nothing, all of them, because, man, we was going to get some nights off, and maybe we still might get some nights off, right? Because we got the uh, Miami-Boston series as of this recording is tied 2-2. That thing might go seven, and I'd love a seven-game series, but if we could just sneak a couple nights off in between where we can just get a little bit of rest, wouldn't that have been fantastic? But hell no. I get in the car after the sports Emmys. I look at my phone and the Mavericks are winning by 30 points. Right? And so then after that, the Warriors, you know, they put in the other dudes. These cats I ain't never heard of in the game. And by the way, they was balling. It was Jordan Poole and the Pips. And the Pips was balling. And they was bringing that down. And that's such a tough one, I imagine, for Steve Kerr. Because on one hand, you should lead them dudes in there because they the ones that got the lead back. But on the other hand, they was in the game because you thought the game was over, right? Like, you do kind of got to go back to your guys, even though they was out there getting beat by 30 points. And then he went back to his guys, and the Mavericks, like, finally went ahead and turned that around. But, man, I was sitting there. I'm with Charles Barkley. I don't know if y'all saw this, but Charles Barkley a few days ago had a thing where he got on, and he said the reason he was picking the Mavericks is just because he hates the Warriors fans. And God knows I agree. I imagine that one of you is going to clip this right now and put it on the internet in like a 45-second snippet. Go ahead and do it. I don't like you. Okay? That's one thing about it. You can say what you think about my basketball takes, but my takes on people, you ain't never had no issue with that. And if I was saying it about anybody else, you'd agree. Man, forget that. I was rooting for them Warriors, uh, the, 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 the eighth to twelfth man. I guess that's who that was out there. Man, I was out there rooting for them so tough because I was like, dog, y'all going to get us some nights off. We're going to make these cats legends. Right? Like, I, I would have been down. We believe. We would have raised the jerseys and everything else because I thought that we was going to be in a position where we could wind up getting some sleep. Hell no, we ain't getting no sleep. Nope, 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 nope. We're going to get another night. I mean, it's fun to watch Luca. Appreciate you. I'll take that. But, you know, yeah, like I was saying, yikes. Random thought, by the way, this doesn't have anything to do with anything really that we're talking about. But every now and then I get bored and go on basketball reference and just look at stuff. And... So my NBA nerds of sorts, the 2013 draft is legendarily miserable. 
You know what I mean? That's the one that Anthony Bennett was the number one pick in that draft. Now, the year after that was the 2014 draft. Yes, hooray me, I can count. But the 2014 draft and the 2014 draft was supposed to be, we thought about it going in, one of the greatest drafts of all time. Like, that's what we were thinking. That was a draft that people thought had literally three franchise players in it. Like, Milwaukee had Jabari Parker as the number two pick. Jabari Parker, who had already been on the cover of Sports Illustrated coming out of high school and everything else. And they were so excited because Parker being from Chicago, getting him to play in Milwaukee. Like, Chicago's only 90 minutes away by car, a literal 10 minutes by plane. And you could live in, like, North Chicago and commute to Milwaukee if you wanted to. So they felt like if they got it to work with Jabari Parker, they not only had a superstar, but a superstar that they weren't going to have to fight that hard to get him to stay. Like, that's what they thought they had in Parker. And most people thought they did. It was like, as long as you got one of the top three picks, you were going to wind up being good. Let me tell you how bad the 2014 draft was. You want to know who is second in win shares out of that draft? Clint Capella. I lie to you not. Clint Capella. Now, there's a reason why Clint Capella is second in that draft in win shares. And the reason is the two best players out of that draft haven't played all the season since that draft. Jokic is number one in win shares out of that draft, but he only played seven years out of the eight. Joel Embiid only played, honestly, five and a half years out of the eight. He's third in win shares. And you want to know who's fourth? And this is why I brought it up in this conversation. Fourth in win shares out of that whole draft is Dwight Powell. Now, I'm not saying that to say that Dwight Powell is the fourth best player out of this draft. Like, there are all kinds of other guys out of that. Like, I would take Marcus Smart. I would take Julius Randle. I would take Zach Levine. Like, these are all dudes that I would definitely take over him. But you understand the point that I'm making, right? We are actually in this weird place where we're coming up on the prime of careers of a couple of years where the draft was giving us a bupkis. Like, you go to the year before that and where it gets interesting when you talk about Jabari Parker because all those things I said, the superstar that they'll be able to get to stay forever, it actually turned out when they drafted Parker, they already had that player, and that player was Giannis. They just didn't realize it because they had taken him the year before. Like, Giannis and Gobert are the two best players out of the draft, that 2013 draft, right? And they're going to wind up in the Hall of Fame, so the draft's not going to look ridiculous. Number three in win share is Steven Adams. Number four, Mason Plumlee. And as you start going down there, it's he's still in the league cases, up and down already, all these cats. Just bad. Just, 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 or just me. Otto Porter. Speaking of Otto Porter, I hope he gets well soon. Sorry, guys. This is what happens when we do an interview, and then I just got to tack something on the back end. But I think it's been entertaining. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Thank you for watching us on YouTube. Uh, remember, The Right Time Book Club. King of the World by David Remnick. Check it out. It's a biography of Muhammad Ali. Think you ought to give that a run. Follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.